This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Do you have a point of sale system you can trust or is it <clears throat> a real POS? You need Shopify for retail. From accepting payments to managing inventory, Shopify POS has everything you need to sell in person. Go to shopify.com slash system, all lowercase, to take your retail business to the next level today. That's shopify.com slash system. Live from the Fox News Radio Studios in New York City, fresh off the set of Fox and Friends, it's America's receptive voice. Brian Kilmeade. Brian Kilmeade here. Thanks so much for listening on a wild weekend. It was a wild week last week as we get set for an inauguration on the 20th. What's going to happen between there is the big story. Dan Bongino. Dan is a part owner of Parler. Parler over the weekend was essentially destroyed by every major tech firm, normally in competition, from Google to Apple to Amazon to Facebook. They all are taking down Parler. Why? Because conservatives would go in there, they say, because of regulations. Dan Bongino on that. Jonathan Turley on impeachment, the president's peril, and what we can expect. A lot of this is unplowed ground. I talked to him on television, and uh, I was asking him some questions. He said, you know what? There is just no precedent for some of this, and I'll get into detail. So the president's going to spend his week recapping his four years. He's going to go to the border, have Middle East peace. He's going to talk about the economy. Uh, he's going to be making a speech today. But he has been neutralized by big tech. So let's get to the big three. Now with the stories you need to know, it's Brian's Big Three. Number three. We can't be making comments on Friday and saying that this is what's going to be occurring on Mondays. They need to open up these new sites. They need to lessen up the restrictions on who can administer the vaccines and who can receive the vaccines. And this needs to be happening on a minute-to-minute, second-to-second basis as they are seeing what is going on. Cases and deaths rise. How can we get the vaccine ramped up to meet the challenge? How is your state doing? None better than, believe it or not, West Virginia. Number two. Do you think this is the end of Parler? I think losing your App Store uh, privileges and losing your web host is about as close to a kiss of death as you can get in the world of apps. I'm going to play that for Dan. Uh, Tech takedown of Trump, and we all should be shaken to our core. From Google to Apple to Facebook to Amazon to Twitter and more, combined, they all do, to shut down the Trump social media voice. And his one refuge as Parler was taken offline last night. Is this China, Russia, North Korea, I ask? Number one. Well, I like the 25th Amendment because it gets rid of him. He's out of office. Uh, But there is strong support in the Congress uh, for impeaching the president a second time. This president is guilty of inciting insurrection. Uh, He has to pay a price for that. President's speech led to a march on Washington and led to uh, extreme peril for all lawmakers. And uh, five people directly and indirectly lost their lives, including law enforcement. The fallout and overreach all at once. The ramifications of President Trump and his legacy after last Wednesday's riots is unquantifiable. But as usual, Nancy Pelosi's overreach shows her instincts could not be worse. Punished for impeachment with nine days to go? 
to the Trump team, the case, the schedule, and the chances. This is what we understand is happening. Uh, Nancy Pelosi on Tuesday is going to offer up articles in impeachment. Uh, Congressman Raskin has drawn them up. She's going to put them out there. They're going to have a vote on Wednesday, and it'll be a simple majority vote. So they already have 190 sponsors. Maybe it's on 200. So they're going to impeach him again with nine days left. Number one, this should be a long, deliberative process. You should have to debating what articles are out there and how it's done. This is not a parking ticket. I mean, are we going to just make it commonplace that someone's impeached? Let's say there's uh, Joe Biden loses the House, which he will, and he loses the Senate, which could happen. And he starts doing things that Republicans don't like, like um, naturalizing citizenship, natural citizenship for illegal aliens or trying to uh, ban semi-automatic weapons. Are we going to try to impeach him? I don't think it should be. But that's how natural this is going to be and how bad it is for the country. Does that ever occur to Nancy Pelosi? Okay, I'm angry. It was the speech, the march, I believe was wrong. The electoral process was done. It should be a formality. The pressure on Pence was ridiculous. The chant, hang Pence, is unacceptable in any case, at any time. The phrase should not be used, period. Horrified. The more video I see, the more horrified I'm, I'm seeing, about, uh, I feel, about what we all witnessed. We thought we saw it all. Now I'm getting different angles. But I don't think anybody thought, if you had the country's best interest in mind, the best thing to do to bring down the temperature is to offer impeachment. But Nancy Pelosi's doing it, and she talked about it on 60 Minutes. Sadly, the person who's running the executive branch is a deranged, unhinged, dangerous president of the United States. And only a number of days until uh, we can be protected from him. Uh, But he has done something so serious uh, that there should be prosecution against him. Well, uh, I gather that the 25th Amendment is off the table. That isn't. Nothing is off the table. Yeah, it is off the table. Uh, You need the vice president to do it. You need cabinet secretaries to go along with it. And you need a few days and there's going to be counter arguments. It's nine days until he's gone. You don't like him. He hates you. For great reason, you never compromised, never came to the table with an idea. All you ever thought about was holding on to power. And then she says ridiculous things like this. It's been an epiphany for the world to see that there are people in our country led by the president for the moment who have chosen their whiteness over democracy. What does whiteness have to do with anything? Marco Rubio, not going to roll over, cut three. So it's unfortunate that instead of unifying us right now, Biden, the Democrats have chosen to use this as an opportunity to talk about ridiculous things like let's impeach a president who isn't going to be even in office uh, in in about nine days. It's dumb. It's a waste of time. Those people that voted, the 75 million that voted for President Trump aren't going away. They don't regret their vote. Maybe some do, but most don't. In fact, they're more dug in than ever. So to do that, you have to to go ahead with impeachment is to continue to ignore 75 million people. Now, according to the numbers that we get, 81 million voted for Joe Biden. Good. That's almost half the country didn't. So are you going to deal with that after the country or try to alienate the rest of that country and then have Facebook and everybody else take them off and take the president off social media and maybe them off social media? Maybe that'll happen. 
I don't want to take too much time away from Dan Bongino, and I'm going to talk about the tech center with him. But I'm actually just going to let him go. We've been texting all weekend back and forth as we watch Parler being taken offline. I personally lost. I went down to 493,000 followers on Twitter. I had the beginning of – I had 539 two weeks ago. I guess some people got mad at me because I do think the president uh, – I am not for the president challenge – uh, when these legal challenges went by the wayside, I don't think the president should have told Mike uh, Pence to try to overturn the electoral process. And you heard me along the way. I get it. So I went down from 539 to 533. It's understandable. I am now at 493,000. It's hard to believe people aren't shadow banning. And and, and um, as I look back and talk to everybody else who's in this building and who has a lot of followers, experiencing the same thing. So I'll talk about that with Dan. But, you know, he's an owner of Parler. So I want to get his perspective. So Mick Mulvaney is one of the people that jumped ship. And he said that this is not the president that he left. That one of the worst things to happen is for Rudy Giuliani uh, to be around the president. I think in many ways I talked to somebody who's very close to the president. In many ways, Rudy Giuliani seems to have ruined the president's presidency. Think about this. He was there and was walking around the Ukraine haphazardly telling everyone he's investigating for the president. That resulted in one impeachment, which I thought was unjust, but still, he caused problems. He did things that were unorthodox, to say the least, and caused the president unbelievable deflection one day after the Mueller report. So, president responsible for his own actions, and then he's telling the president he's going to win all these elections and overturn all these, uh, all these results, and he's got all this video, and he's produced nothing, almost nothing. Cut 24. The reason that I wrote in the Wall Street Journal six weeks ago that I thought the president would leave presidentially uh, is because I had evidence to that end. I had stories. I had background. I had seen that type of president. And I never thought I'd see what I saw on Wednesday. Yes, the rhetoric was very high and very, very fiery. You and I both know, however, that American politicians do this on a regular basis. I could pull you similar clips of Maxine Waters telling people to take to the streets. It's different, though, when, as you said in your entry, um, that people took him literally. I never thought I'd see that. I'd never thought I'd see a day in our country where people from any side of the political spectrum would storm the Capitol in order to intentionally stop the constitutional transfer mm-hmm. of power, which is part of what was happening on Wednesday. That's what's different. And Mick Mulvaney made sense. He said, listen, behind closed doors is the person that I've seen, but he worked with. He knows he was presidential. He knows he was different. He saw him take charge. He saw the empathy. He saw the sympathy. He saw a lot of things he did worked. And it was different. He was different. All those Tea Partiers, the Jim Jordans, the Mick Mulvaney's, the Mark Meadows, they were all different. But they liked the different way in which the president approached it. But this was too, a bridge too far, and he left his ceremonial position as an envoy to Northern Ireland. And he went, on, uh, he went on television to talk about it. But if you listen to the way he did, he did it respectfully. Everybody else, stay where you are. Don't leave in two weeks. No one cares. If you leave within nine days, it's not going to help you get another job or get more money for a speech. Just stay there and do your job. Dan Bongino's next. Then Jonathan Turley on the, on the legal ramifications with this unprecedented uh, turbo impeachment that Nancy Pelosi put us all on. Busy day. Like you to be here. Glad you're with us. one 408 7669 Don't move. Politics, current events, and news that affects you. Brian's got a lot more to say. Stay with Brian Kilmeade. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. 
Do you have a point of sale system you can trust or is it <clears throat> a real POS? You need Shopify for retail. From accepting payments to managing inventory, Shopify POS has everything you need to sell in person. Go to shopify.com slash system, all lowercase, to take your retail business to the next level today. That's shopify.com slash system. As many of you know from your own life experiences, a life in so-called blue-collar work is something to be proud of. It is very rewarding to work that has impact on your friends, your neighbors, and your family's lives. Great successes can be had in the blue-collar career. There's no degree requirement for achieving comfort, peace, and freedom. While schools cut shop classes and funnel students into colleges, there are plenty of options for hard workers who are ready to take advantage of open positions. Many young people today assume that college is the only way to achieve success in life. That is not true. Let me introduce you to Ken Rusk. Ken spent his younger years digging ditches and working in construction. He never went to college. Instead, he made goals, planned, and worked hard for 30 years. Now Ken is a successful entrepreneur with multiple businesses and revenue streams. In his national best-selling book, Blue Collar Cash, Ken shares his insights from over 30 years of working in blue-collar trades as an entrepreneur, mentor, and life coach. Now he's created a guide made specifically for you and your unique situation. This guide will give you or someone you love the tools you need to start designing the life of their dreams. You can achieve your dreams regardless of your educational background or your past. Go to KenRusk.com path to learn more. That's KenRusk.com path. Breaking news, unique opinions. Hear it all on the Brian Kilmeade Show. Do you think this is the end of Parler? I think losing your app store uh, privileges and losing your web host is about as close to a kiss of death as you can get in the world of apps. That is Kevin Roos on CBS. He's a New York Times tech columnist. I hope that's not true. Dan Bongino's involved, and I know he's never going to quit. Fox News contributor, former NYPD officer, uh, a Secret Service agent. Uh, monster on social media and on television, and he also is part owner of Parler. Dan, what do you think about what Kevin Roos concluded? He thinks it's done. Um, no, no, it's it's not done. I mean, we'll we'll be back. I mean, this is they've declared open war on us. I mean, this on free speech. There's no no doubt about it. And for, you know, and, and as I told you this morning on Fox and Friends. Um, it's even worse behind the scenes. And I know your radio listeners who may not have seen it, but how could it be even worse? I mean, Parler was attacked by Amazon, Google, and Apple. The company's worth a collective, what, $3 trillion or close to it? Um, you have to understand behind the scenes, they attacked our text messaging service. We used to verify users, which was odd. Um, think about it, Brian. One of the companies involved, Twilio, we use phone numbers to authenticate users to make sure they're real. Why? Because we don't data mine on Parler, so we have no um, way to authenticate using, say, data like Twitter does, who you are. The only way to authenticate it is via cell phone or an email. The way we confirm those cell phone users was real um, was using certain platforms. They've now dumped us, too, which kept, by the way, bots and, you know, really crazy stuff off the platform. You, uh, behind the scenes, it was a thousand times worse. This was coordinated. And, and then again, to any of these companies out there that think, oh, don't worry, I run a conservative blog or a website, I'm safe. You're not. You know who's going to be next, Brian? The Internet service providers. Wait till they get lobbied by the left. Oh, Dan, don't give them any, don't give them any ideas. This is happening right now. And they start blocking access to people's websites. What are you going to do when foxnews.com gets boycotted? 
What are you going to do when banks are boycotted and you can't get financial services for your company? When server companies all around shut you down? You think this fight is a – I warned, I think, on your radio show. I know I did it on Fox News a while ago. I said this fight is coming to your door. The left will not leave you alone. They're not interested in unity. They're interested in, in, in a reckoning. I and agree. I'm sadly right, and I wish people would have listened. So this is what they're saying. Apple's banned Parler for failing to remove content promoting violence. Twitter CEO Jack Dorsey posted a picture of the top charts on the App Store. Before the ban, Parler had been the most downloaded app. By Saturday, it was gone. Dorsey added a hard emoji. How about that? He is taking joy in taking down Parler. He's celebrating the fact, by the way, that was a really dumb tweet by Jack Dorsey. Um, now, he's basically acknowledging in the celebration of the takedown of his primary competitor, Parler, again, which I'm a part owner of. He's openly celebrating it with the heart emoji, meaning he loves something. The fact that he loves that Apple removed us from the App Store, effectively taking down his competition, confirming the fact that he now has basically a monopoly on the social media market. And, and you know, listen, another topic I addressed this morning but your radio audience may have missed is I'm, I'm a libertarian at heart. I always have been. If you listen to my show, you know that. So you may say, well, Dan. You know, there's a conflict here. You know, you're an investor. It's not a conflict one if I tell you about it. This has nothing to do with money. Believe me, I'll be fine. I have other investors. Things will be okay. This is not a free market argument. I hear even some libertarian friends of mine still, not many now, but still few of them saying, you know, it's a Twitter company. Twitter's a private company. They can do what they want. They're not a private company. They are a private group of investors and shareholders on a, excuse me, on a publicly traded company who are benefiting from a government subsidy. Section 230, which protects them from lawsuits. It's probably a multi-billion dollar subsidy they get from taxpayers because they can't be sued while supposedly acting as a platform. Well, we're actually a platform. Twitter's not. Twitter is a publisher. They've acted as such. And yet Twitter gets a government subsidy and immunity from lawsuits while we're taken off the Internet for acting in, co- in concert with the actual law. And, had, and you still think this is a free market argument? Absolutely not, saying? Dan. And I want to bring something else up. What do you say to people? Go, why, why do you just take down the objectionable content? We, we do. We do. We have a – there is a system on Parler. We'll be up by the end of the week. When you go back on Parler, if you see a tweet that violates our specific terms of service, whatever, inciting violence or whatever it may be. There is a reporting mechanism. It goes to a jury, a jury of people on Parler, and they determine if it violates the terms of service and should be taken down. We're not a surveillance platform, Brian. We're not a surveillance platform. That's what a publisher does. They watch everything that goes in the New York Times. They take responsibility for it. And if something gets through that violates the law, the New York Times can be sued. We are not a publisher. We're not. We are a platform. We don't surveil what people put on our website or our app. We don't do it. The reporting relies on the people of Parler. You're the people that matter to tell us. So, and then we look at it. And if it violates the terms of service, we pulled it down. So, Dan, listen to this. If you go out there and you know you can get a Google phone, or you can get an Android, or you can get an Apple, they're in competition. You know, Facebook should be in competition with Twitter, right? And, you know, they bought Instagram. They didn't want the competition. So they should be acting independently. But when it comes to threats, they combine forces to take down the president and to take down Parler within hours of each other. And I guess one part of it is it's they both. They believe you. They don't believe anything you guys believe. Uh, the other thing, and they don't like the president. But the other thing is, uh, they want to kiss up to the Democrats, who they believe have sole power in Washington right now. 
Yeah, this is a catastrophic mistake. If you're a shareholder of any of these companies, Twitter, Facebook, Amazon, Apple, whatever it may be, you should be really scared right now and terrified um, because of your business interests. This is not – these companies are not acting as legitimate businesses. They're acting as political tools for the Democrat Party, and the problem is um, this is going to lead to a sea change. And it goes back to the tautological statement I want everyone in your audience to put down what you're doing and listen to right now. I'll give you a second. Last 45 seconds. Don't ever forget this ever. The Republicans may not be the answer to all your problems. They certainly haven't been in the last decade or so. But the cause of all your problems are the Democrats. So anyone out there – and this is me, but I've been a personal victim of of feckless, loser Republicans who don't want to do a damn thing. But I'm telling you right now, if your goal here was, oh, you know what, we'll just let the Democrats win, and that will send a real statement, really? There's going to be a political reckoning in 2022, and I think it's going to make the Tea Party revolution in 2010 look like romper room. And you're going to yeah. see these tech companies all of a sudden, when these committees are headed again by Republicans, are going to have to answer some really hard questions about how they've been acting as monopolies and, but and Dan, acting in concert. they got to go out there and win that house back. Thanks so much. Dan Bongino, hang in there. Jonathan Turley next. Jason in the House, the Jason Chaffetz Podcast. Dive deeper than the headlines and the party lines as I take on American life, politics, and entertainment. Subscribe now on foxnewspodcast.com or wherever you download podcasts. The fastest three hours in radio. You're with Brian Kilmeade. It will not go to trial. All the Democrats can do is impeach the president in the House of Representatives. For that, all you need is a majority vote. You don't have to take evidence. There are no lawyers involved. But the case cannot come for trial in the Senate because the Senate has rules, and the rules would not allow the case to come to trial until, according to the the majority leader, until 1 p.m. on January 20th, an hour after President Trump leaves office. So that's Alan Dershowitz, who says I'd, I'd head up the president's legal team with Rudy Giuliani. Uh, Jonathan Turley joins us now, uh, law professor, George Washington University, but most importantly, Fox News contributor. Uh, and you can follow him until they ban him uh, on Twitter, at Jonathan Turley. He's so incendiary, it's just a matter of time. Uh, Jonathan, <laughs> welcome back. Thank you very much. Well, I don't have a light topic. You know, I talked to you on television about this. And I'm just wondering what you think. They say they're going to have a vote on impeachment in one day. We Last time it took forever to find out what the articles were. And then the debate happened. Then we had the vote. They could actually do this in one, two days? Well, they can do anything in one or two days. I always joke to my students that you can do a lot of work if you just keep your quality very, very low. That's been the secret of my life. <laughs> uh, you know the, So, yeah, you can do an impeachment. It just won't be a good one. Now, the, the problem is that this contradicts everything that the framers said about impeachment. The concept of a snap impeachment is a contradiction to these constitutional terms. These are supposed to be deliberative, not impulsive acts. And this is the ultimate impulse by impeachment. And so there's a reason why they don't want to hold hearings, because the implications of what they're about to do are very serious. They are creating a pathway for snap impeachments that could very well be used against Joe Biden if the Republicans take the Congress. But also, they are doing so on the basis of a speech that they are claiming was incitement. Various legal experts 
has said that this could be prosecuted as criminal incitement. That is, in my view, entirely untrue. Uh, There is no way that that speech could be used as the basis of a prosecution in the speech. Did I just lose you? Yeah, we just lost him. What a shame. So he, uh, we'll, we'll get him back in a second. Jonathan Turley looked at the speech and said, did it incite violence? Even though he said march down there in uh, power, he said do it peaceful. He used the word term peaceful in it. So that's part of it. And he didn't say break the barriers and go in there. But uh, number two is just having, yeah, number two is just having, uh, just having, the fact that he said march down there and show powerful and then the things Rudy Giuliani said will take it by force. What I want you to hear is another respected legal mind, and that is Chris Christie. He will be on at a different hour on this show uh, a little bit later. He said this about, about impeachment. Cut 17. I'm sure that, that uh, Congressman King, Kinzinger is right, that there's some fear someplace, but I haven't heard it this week. What I've heard from fellow Republicans is that they've had enough um, and that the president's conduct, quite frankly, since then has gotten them upset. I mean, it is a national disgrace, George, that the flag at the White House is not at half staff for that Capitol Hill police officer, Kinnick, um, who gave his life in protecting um, one of our institutions of democracy. Um, if, if we're having a fit of peak and that's why we're not putting the flag at half staff, it's just another example of why people think that you know, these decisions are not being made on the merits. These decisions are being made purely with an idea of what's in my own personal, you know, desire at the moment uh, on, the, on the part of the president. And so it's just wrong. He also said that he thinks this is an impeachable offense. And this is a guy that was endorsed the president, tried to call him three times on Wednesday, was unable to get him. You know, you heard he said this on our show. That was quoted in The New York Times over the weekend. And he's coming back uh, at a different time today. He's going to be coming by the 10 o'clock hour, depending on when you get the show. So 10 o'clock uh, Eastern, but we'll definitely post it or I'll, I'll definitely post it online. So a lot of people who are normally with the president are not with him on this. Some people, like me, think it's absolutely ridiculous that they're going to go ahead and impeach somebody with nine days left in office. You want to impeach somebody to get them out. He's leaving anyway. You just This is a fit of peak. It's like punishing somebody that's not even there in absentia. And they have an interesting uh, plot and plan to do it. So listen to what Jim Clyburn said. And this is, this is ridiculous. I didn't even know you could do this. Um, and it is... The Clyburn thing is, uh, he also said he thought it was inside job. But the Clyburn thing I want to hear is the 100 days. Here it is, cut five. I think that will come uh, probably Tuesday uh, and maybe Wednesday. Uh, but it will happen this week. Uh, the, res- the article uh, has been drawn up. Uh, Jamie Raskin uh, and Alicia uh, been working very hard to make sure uh, that it is exactly what is required uh, to demonstrate to the Senate, uh, well, maybe the House first, uh, that this president has uh, rendered himself uh, really uh, unqualified to be president. And he goes on to say, as we got Jonathan Turley back, Jonathan, this is what I brought up to you on television. You said, uh, I do have concerns about the timing. As for the speaker itself, Mitch McConnell is a pretty good legislator, and he's going to do what he thinks he needs to do. 
to be disruptive to President Biden. Let's give President-elect Biden the 100 days he needs to get the agenda off and running, and maybe we will send the articles sometime after that. So the president will be out of office for three, four months, and then they will send up the articles of impeachment? Is that allowed? Well, that's been a long debate as to whether you can impeach a former president. It's a rather curious device to use because the Constitution refers to this as a way of removing a president. Sort of weird to have a trial to remove a president who's already left. The only argument is that there is one aspect of impeachment which is future-oriented, and that is barring the president from holding future office. Uh, but, you know, there are many people who believe that this would be an improper use of impeachment. It is sort of senseless, but it would also only further deepen the rift in this country. You would have, by congressional fiat, a, a canceling of the president. You can leave it to history and the voters to determine the future of Donald Trump. And I just don't understand how responsible leaders could try to do this. First and foremost, if you are going to wait a few months, why not do a real impeachment? Why not have a real inquiry and a real hearing on the implications about what you're trying to do? Instead, they want to have a rushed vote and a rushed judgment because they don't want to answer those questions. Now, switching over to big tech, uh, Twitter, Facebook, Google, Apple, everybody has banned the president. Uh, All these shopping sites have banned the president. The PGA, which is a lot, I guess, uh, they they said they're going to take the the PGA Championships of 2022 away from his golf course. Uh, And it's hard to imagine a more devastating series of events. The president can't use Twitter, can't use Facebook, can't use Parler. Parler has been been attacked now and deplatformed. If I want to have a legal case, can I mount a legal case and fight back against these behemoth organizations? Well, you might be able to do a contractual case. It'll be difficult. Uh, the the deplatforming of Parler is particularly of a concern because millions of people reportedly left Twitter to go to Parler, and you and I both uh, talked about seeing a sudden drop in uh, Twitter followers, and it seems to be that uh, this you know Parler was the top app in the Apple App Store before Apple got rid of it, and then it was deplatformed. So literally, these companies are moving to prevent people from seeking a free speech alternative to their own policies of censorship. It's outrageous. And part of the, I have to say that I I find it particularly chilling to see reporters and academics saying, well, this isn't a free speech issue because these are private companies and the First Amendment only uh, applies against the government. That's a ridiculous argument to the extent that they're making it. It's true that the First Amendment applies only to the government. But that's not the full scope of free speech. I've been a free speech advocate my whole life. I view free speech as a human right. So it's not true that because the First Amendment doesn't cover it, it's not a free speech issue. This is the ultimate free speech issue. It's like saying that if racial or gender discrimination were, were, was only outlawed against the government, 
that it wouldn't be discrimination to do that by private company. Of course it is. It would be morally wrong. So what really concerns me is how many of these people are beginning to redefine free speech in a way to allow it to be controlled and regulated. Jonathan, people go, well, I don't like Trump anyway. What's the big deal? They they, they tell people out there who might not like President Trump why this is a big deal, that he's deplatformed, and the comprehensive way in which they did it. I heard that Google and Apple sells phones. I heard they were in competition with each other. But now I see a collusion between these major companies, Google, Apple, that not Microsoft yet, but, um, you know, Facebook and Twitter. They all decide to put their rivalries behind and their the marketplace behind and combine in, combine forces against Parler and the president. Well, unfortunately, this is one of the impacts of the Senate going over to the Democratic side. There was a chance that they could have gone forward on this antitrust review and maybe the elimination of 230 immunity. Uh, now it's unlikely. Why should the Democrats do it when these companies – are now completely in sync with the Democratic messaging. And so it's unlikely that Congress is going to do anything. I want you to hear what Devin Nunes said. Cut 40. Republicans have no way to communicate. If, it doesn't even matter if you're a Republican or conservative. If you don't want to be regulated by left-wingers that are at Twitter and Facebook and Instagram— where you get shadow banned, nobody gets to see you, nobody gets to see you, they get to decide what's violent or not violent. It's preposterous. So I don't know where the hell the Department of Justice is at right now or the FBI. Uh, this is clearly a violation of antitrust, civil rights, the RICO statute. There should be a racketeering investigation on all the people that coordinated this attack on not only a company, but on all of, o- of those like us. Do you share his concern and do you wonder where the FBI and Justice Department is? I don't agree with this idea that this is a racketeering case. Uh, the antitrust case is a close one, although I'm still a little skeptical because the standards for antitrust deal with this monopoly where there's no competition. But the point is the is a good one. I mean, what what he is saying is a valid point that this is a form of censorship. I mean, it's we're we're seeing something new. You know, we've we spent so much time talking about a state media, like they have in China, that we never really saw this blind spot that you could have private companies essentially create a state media without any state direction. You don't need direction. You just have to amplify and continue the narrative of one party. And we've seen that not just with social media, but obviously with many people in the media generally. You know, it's just interesting. So if you don't like the Washington Post, you got the Washington Times. If the Washington Post does not like the Washington Times, you could try to buy it, but the government might jump in and say, I don't really want a monopoly there. But that's going to be an option. You can go buy them if you want. And maybe pull them off the marketplace. Maybe like Facebook bought Instagram instead of having a competitor, brought them into the family. But that's not the story in big tech. They could decide to collude together. The Washington Post and Washington Times could collude together, but that would be a huge, that would be a huge story. Uh, but it's never going to happen. The New York Post is never going to get together with the New York Times. 
We used to have to worry about that. We now have to worry about the tech center. Why is that? Well, because this is a blind spot. Uh, It is certainly true that free speech under the First Amendment extends only to the government, but free speech as a principle is far broader. And these are not just companies like Starbucks. You know, Starbucks can control speech within its stores. It can tell employees not to wear certain types of political, you know, slogans. But these companies are actually creating platforms for speech. And I wrote a column not long ago called Internet Originalism, saying that I was an Internet originalist. I believed and still do in this concept of the Internet as the greatest invention of free speech in the history of the world. And we are watching it die in front of us. We are. And it's dying by our own hands. These politicians have convinced Democratic voters that free speech itself is a danger. It's nuts. Uh, Jonathan, uh, thanks so much. I really need you. Gotta have to, I love when I uh, ask you a question. You're like, we haven't really been done. We've never been down that road before. That's how weird this is this time in our, in our history. Jonathan Trolley, thanks so much. Thanks, Brian. All right. Uh, lines are jammed. I'll get to you in just a second. Giving you everything you need to know. It's Brian Kilmeade. New from the Fox News Podcasts Network. My name is Kennedy, and welcome to my podcast, which will, I humbly say, single-handedly save the world. You're welcome. It's Kennedy Saves the World. Subscribe and listen now by going to foxnewspodcasts.com. The talk show that's getting you talking. You're with Brian Kilmeade. Your Republican colleague, Senator Lisa Murkowski of Alaska, says President Trump should resign. She said, uh, quote, he's caused enough damage. Do you agree? Yeah, I do. Uh, I I think at this point, with just a few days left, it's um, the best path forward, the best way to get this person in the rearview mirror uh, for us. Uh, That could happen immediately. I'm not optimistic it will, but uh, I do think that would be the best way forward. Uh, Senator Pat Toomey, that's ridiculous. He's not going to resign in nine days. He's now going over to outline what he accomplished, which he should have been doing in in the middle of November. Uh, Howard listening in Orange Grove, New Jersey. Hey, Howard. Yeah, hi, Brian. Uh, just a, a thought. Um, you remember when uh, the president grounded Nancy Pelosi's plane when she was taking a bunch of uh, people from Congress on yep. a trip to— Do uh, you think perhaps that has anything to do with the hatred she has for him? Sure. Or do you think— it, Part of it. and all that. But, yeah, uh, part uh, of it— Part of it, and the thing is, as a good leader, Howard, how many times you have a boss you want to get along with, you got to be effective, or people working for you who are talented and have quirky personalities, but you want to, you have a goal. You play on this team, and the best player is like Maradona, has his own schedule, some comes in late, but he always scores the winning goal. So you put up with different things in order to be effective. She knows nothing about that. If she cared about the country, cared about the country, she would put in her memoirs what she thought about Donald Trump, but do its best for the country. Instead, she's going for impeachment. Will incense every Trump supporter beyond belief. Uh, let's go out to Jerry. Listen to WOKV in Pensacola. Jerry. Brian, how are you today? Good. What's on your mind? Brian, there are certain things that you cannot say on your radio show. When we go on these platforms, you sign a contract. You basically give over your right to free speech. Gotcha. So you, 
I just wanted to get your take on that. Well, no, I mean, I'll go real quick because the music's going to get louder. Uh, if you're going to if you're going to do deep deep uh, platform Trump, you got to deep platform Assad. You got to deep platform every crazy person that's been on there from the Grand Ayatollah down. Living the Bream is a podcast hosted by Fox News Channel's Shannon Bream, sharing inspirational stories, personal anecdotes, and an insider's perspective on actions and rulings from the high court. Subscribe and listen now by going to foxnewspodcasts.com. America's listening to Fox News. From the Fox News Radio Studios in New York City, giving you opinions and facts with a positive approach. It's Brian Kilmeade. Thanks so much for listening, everybody. It's the Brian Kilmeade Show coming to you from New York, heard around the country, heard around the world on an explosive week, coming off a very explosive week. And um, I mean that literally. Uh, governor Chris Christie of New Jersey is going to be with us shortly. Former governor is uh, speaking out about his friend Donald Trump. He's very upset with him. Uh, but he also talks about a way forward, a path forward, not necessarily buying into the impeachment thing. And Michael Goodwin will be here saying, look at typical Democrats. They have a window. They have a bit of momentum. And they're using it for intramural fights instead of what's better for the country. Some type of compromise. They don't seem to see it that way. And it looks like Joe Biden uh, never never sees an opportunity uh, that he doesn't want to waste. We'll talk about all that, as well as the President of the United States will be making uh, some remarks today, be going down to the border as well. This week he's going to be having some Middle East uh, some of his uh, uh, Middle East accomplishments and these leaders coming in, talking about what is happening with the recognition of Israel and uh, talking about really what he accomplished. But I really wish he had done this in November and we wouldn't be where we're at right now in January. So let's get to the big three. Now with the stories you need to know, it's Brian's Big Three. Number three. We can't be making comments on Friday and saying that this is what's going to be occurring on Mondays. They need to open up these new sites. They need to lessen up the restrictions on who can administer the vaccines and who can receive the vaccines. And this needs to be happening on a minute-to-minute, second-to-second basis as they are seeing what is going on. Cases and deaths rise. How can we get the vaccine ramped up to meet the challenge, especially in New York? Finally, the mayor wins over the governor. How is your state doing? None better than West Virginia, believe it or not. Number two. Do you think this is the end of Parler? I think losing your app store uh, privileges and losing your web host is about as close to a kiss of death as you can get in the world of apps. Kevin Roos, an internet expert on CBS, tech takedown of Trump. And all we, sh- all of us should be shaken to the core. From Google to Apple to Facebook to Amazon to Twitter and more, they combined to shut down the president's social media voice. And his one refuge, Parler, was taken offline last night. Is this China, Russia, North Korea? Number one. Well, I like the 25th Amendment because it gets rid of him. He's out of office. Uh, but there is strong support in the Congress Uh, for impeaching the president a second time. This president is guilty of inciting insurrection. Uh, He has to pay a price for that. Really? Speaker Pelosi, the case in point, fallout and overreach all at once. The ramifications for President Trump and his legacy after last Wednesday's riots is unquantifiable. But as usual, Nancy Pelosi's overreach shows her instincts could not be worse. Punished for for impeachment with nine days to go in your term? The case... The schedule, the chances. Michael Goodwin joins us now in the New York Post. Uh, Michael, they had a chance to come together. This was a catastrophic event, no doubt about it. Are they blowing it? 
Uh, good morning, Brian. Uh, I believe they are. Um, I mean, I think Pelosi's language there, I mean, this notion of insurrection, I know it's it's common on the left now, but this is not an attempt to overthrow the government, for God's sake. People didn't come there armed, ready to shoot. I mean, they actually came to watch Congress. Now, obviously, there were hooligans among them who came to cause trouble and damage and did, uh, and even death. But this idea that this was somehow a coup attempt, an insurrection, is just a way of inflating the language and to give the Democrats more justification for their insane action to try to uh, remove the president and, uh, you know, to stain him. And I think, frankly, Brian, a big part of this is so that he can't run again. That's really what they're afraid of. They, they want to make sure not only is he silenced and punished and demonized now and prosecuted if possible, but also that he doesn't run again in 2024. They want to take him off the board. They don't want him to have another chance at this. And that is, that is not about being what's good for America. That's about what's good for Democrats. Yeah, I mean, if you were caring about the country, you would think Joe Biden would step up, as, as Lindsey Graham asked him to. He said, step up and tell your party to step down. You know, go censure, go do something. Obviously, that speech and that march, ill-timed. The president's actions really since November 3rd have not been good. I mean, the way he's handled it, he could be taking a bow for all he accomplished the most successful four years in the history of the country. You look at the events, you have your legal team pushing prod, and when there was nothing there, you pull back. No harm, no loss, because most of that money was donations. It's not coming out of the Donald Trump organization. And then you come back in four years ready to go. It, this seems like the more weeks that pass by, the more incensed he got. Well, he really dug in. Uh, he truly believed that the election was stolen. And he would not brook any other solution other than continuing to fight it. And um, as I said in my column uh, today that's on Fox News now, foxnews.com, uh, he never knew when to stop. Uh, he had many off-ramps, and uh, so he ended, he ended his tenure with the worst mistake he made for the entire four years. My concern now, Brian, is that uh, the Democrats are beginning their tenure with the same kind of attitude, not knowing when to stop. Uh, to be gracious in victory is a sign that you are confident and secure. Yep. But to be vindictive and to be seeking revenge, to be encouraging not only impeachment, but the, the total media blackout uh, on, on social media, to shut down everybody who ever said a nice word about Trump or who agreed with him, who supported him, to shut everybody down is is not uh, a good sign because it shows that Democrats want to punish people. And we see it in all ways. We have law firms pulling away from parlor. You have Simon and Schuster shutting down uh, yeah. the publication of Josh Hawley's book, Senator Josh Hawley's book. Uh, so on and on, you have, you have uh, people being forced out of companies. People will be punished. I mean, this sounds like a kind of banana republic approach to things that people must repent. They must be punished for their political affiliations. I mean, that's not America. That's not American. And yet Joe, Joe Biden, by punting on the question of impeachment himself last Friday when he was asked about it, saying that's up to Congress, he missed a very big opportunity to strike a blow for the unity he says he wants. It's another thing to do something for it. And Republicans are going to come back at you and they're going to say, well, look what they did. In 2016, they never accepted the president. They, uh, they protested.
protested the day of his inauguration. Seventy boycotted. Then they had this Mueller investigation. The FBI turned on it. And they're going to say all that. But when does it stop? And then well, they come back, I, well, and I'll give you the, the what I get, whether I'm working out or at a restaurant. They go, when does it stop? Why is it right? Why do we have to stop? Why is it right for them to do this? And I sit there, I'm going, this is unbelievable how high the temperature is in this country. It's like the old children in the playground, right? It all started when he hit me back. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I mean, somebody has to lower the temperature, and we expect the winner to do that. We don't expect the loser to to surrender and sit in the dark and say yes. We expect in America that the winner will be gracious. And granted, Donald Trump was not always gracious. He tried in the beginning. He tried with Nancy Pelosi. He tried with Chuck Schumer, uh, even after the 2018 midterms. He, co- he complimented Pelosi, said he thought they could work together. But they never wanted it. Schumer and Pelosi in particular were, in a sense, their, their terms were high hijacked by the resistance, and they were frightened of the resistance. Uh, Schumer one night uh, had demonstrators outside his home in the middle of the night uh, screaming obscenities at him, and that was the end. They never really would meet the president. They could have had an infrastructure bill. They could have had an impact on the tax cut and regulations, but they never wanted to participate in anything. Look at how the Supreme Court votes went. Uh, was it 52, 48, yeah, I know. 53? Yeah, I mean, they would not go along with anything. They would not meet the president even halfway. And so this idea that now somehow the Trump people are supposed to surrender, I'm sorry that this tit for tat is going to continue unless the winner, unless the winner, in this case, the Democrats, says, come on, let's reason together. Let's let's find out what we can share, what we can do together as Americans. That's what Joe Biden promised. That was one of his more attractive uh, features in the campaign. But so far, he looks like he's only going to cooperate with those Republicans who effectively gotcha. surrender and agree with him. So That's listen not to this. what it's about. And listen, it's not just about Trump, too. They want to punish the people, the 100-plus House members that stood up and voted That's against right. the Electoral College, uh, or how they were going to have it play out, and Cruz and Hawley. Senator Chris Coons going for it, cut 14. I've called for them to resign. And, Margaret, what I'll be looking for in the coming days and weeks is whether they take any accountability, um, whether they take any actions that will actually persuade some of their many voters and supporters and constituents that they know what they did was wrong. In the case of Missouri, Senator Blunt's home state and Senator Hawley's home state, the two major newspapers, former Senator Danforth, one of the major supporters of Senator Hawley, have all Mm -hmm. denounced him. So they want this to continue. They want the most out of this. And now you have these corporations saying they will not donate to anybody, the, the 100 plus that signed on to protest the Electoral College vote and uh, these two senators or the Republican Party. Yeah. You know, Brian, it, it strikes me as almost medieval, right? Uh, in, in, in olden times, uh, you, you conquer somebody, you flatten their city, you poison their wells, you salt their land so they can never grow crops again. I mean, that's what this is like. This is not about converting people, winning them over, persuading them, uh, or even calling on them to do their duty. This is about pure punishment. And the idea that Josh Hawley did something wrong by objecting to 
electoral results, then let's go and uh, find Barbara Boxer, who did the same thing, right? But it, when Democrats did it, it was always reasonable. It was always somehow thoughtful. Uh, but when Republicans do it, it's a crime, and it must be punished. I mean, this is insane. The Constitution provided for objections. What it did not provide for, clearly, was what President Trump wanted, which is for Mike Pence to overturn the results and declare Trump the winner. That is not in the Constitution. But objections certainly are part of the legislation that has been accepted yep. for more than 100 years, 160 years almost, uh, that you can object after, you know, if you, when there's something wrong with the Electoral College. You can object. But there's a process for sorting that out. It would not have made a change in the results this time because there were not a majority support for overturning the results of any state in Congress. But still, uh, the idea that merely to raise an objection, then you are somehow guilty of an insurrection. I mean, that's that's a remarkable, chilling approach to dissent. So let me bring uh, some specifics to you. This just came across the New York Times. Banks are pausing all political donations. Goldman Sachs is freezing donations through its PAC. We'll conduct a thorough assessment of how people acted during this period of, of Wednesday. J.P. Morgan halting donations through its PAC for six months. There'll be plenty of time for campaigning. Citigroup also halting donations to Republicans. Other banks, including Bank of America, Wells Fargo, said they review their corporate contribution structure. Some companies are pausing donations to specific politicians. The Marriott Center will pause donations from its PAC to those who voted against certification of the election. Same thing with Blue Cross, Blue Shield, Boston Scientific, Commerce Bank shares. They're taking similar targeting approach to donation freezes. And I can go on for another half hour. Now you also know the PGA of America said it would no longer hold its signature championship, the PGA championship at Trump National Golf Club in Bedminster, New Jersey. It is going to be problematic for that Trump organization here on in. Oh, yeah. The businesses are going to be under attack. President himself uh, under uh prosecution by the New York Attorney General, who essentially campaigned on that one issue. That's what she was going to do, was prosecute the president. Uh, The Manhattan District Attorney, Cyrus Vance, with leaks every time they find something, uh, going back years and years. I mean, do that to any real estate developer in New York. I mean, the president has been singled out for punishment by virtue of his positions. And yes, Brian, I mean, all of us agree what he did last week. Wednesday. Uh, I I don't believe he actually incited. I believe he set in motion uh, the events. And for that, I mean, he, you know, that's it. I mean, that does finish him, I believe, politically, at least for the time being. But to punish, and the people who went and broke windows and, and did all kinds of horrible things in the Capitol, they should be prosecuted. But to prosecute the entire political movement for the, for the actions and words I of know. a few is really so un-American, and yet it's happening before our eyes. Uh, thanks so much. We were able to put it in perspective. Michael Goodwin, great column in the New York Post, and thanks for the perspective today. My pleasure, Brian. Thank you. You got it. Listen, I'll take some phone calls, and we're welcoming Governor Chris Christie about the legal ramification of this whole thing. Uh, he knows the president as well as anybody. Uh, and we'll take your calls. one 866 408 Expanding your knowledge base, it's Brian Kilmeade. 
With Fox News Podcasts Plus, you can enjoy all your favorite Fox News podcasts without commercials. Subscribe now at foxnewspodcasts.com. He's so busy, he'll make your head spin. It's Brian Kilmeade. I think Donald Trump wanted there to be massive division, and he was telling people there was a path by which he was going to stay in office after January 20th. That was never true, and he wanted chaos on television. As this was unfolding on television, Donald Trump was walking around the White House confused about why other people on his team weren't as excited as he was, as you had rioters pushing against Capitol Police trying to get into the building. As it was happening, he was delighted. Well, that is what Ben Sass says, uh, but Ben Sass is not exactly invited uh, to the White House, doesn't exactly, has never seen eye to eye with the president unless he needed an endorsement. But it was a crazy scene in the, without the president's speech and urging to walk down to the Capitol Hill and, and be a powerful voice, but a peaceful, he did use the word peaceful, uh, this whole thing doesn't happen. And this is a mess, and we're on the doorstep of another impeachment situation. Uh, let's go out to Ben, listen on WOKV in Jacksonville. Hey, Ben. How you doing, Brian? Good. What's, patriot. what's on your mind? Thank you. I have a question. Why do people at Fox, including yourself, and unfortunately, continue to call these uh, websites, be it Google, Facebook, whatever, as private companies? They are not. By definition, as a 40-year stockbroker, they are a public company. They have sold shares of their organization to the general public. Good point. Good they point. Are, they are subject to SEC regulations. They are subject to the regulatory demands of the uh, exchanges upon which their share, shares are, are sold. Therefore, their board of directors are responsible to their shareholders. So right now, the board of directors are not upset, it doesn't seem. Uh, and it's up to, I think you've got to bring litigation forward. For the next one, all these Democrats are rejoicing, saying, well, it's not my problem. It's the Republicans' problem. For now, it's not your problem. Uh, they're bigger than everybody. They might as well be the government. Jason, listen on the Fox News Radio app. Hey, Jason, over in Kentucky. Yeah, Brian, do you think these small businesses, people that are struggling, have the, have the stomach to take another $50 million impeachment trial? And, you know, what Great point. these Republicans that— does anybody have the guts if Joe Biden stumbles and incoherent up on the up on the out out in the public? Do they have the guts to try to say, "Hey, we want the twenty fifth amendment"? You know, uh, is it applicable to him then? Yeah, if his people think, remember Woodrow Wilson? He had the it was all because he had that stroke and his wife hid it from everybody. She basically ran the country until he was better. So if you have a physical ailment or if you go in for a procedure, that's when the 25th Amendment comes in. Absolutely. And they'll be more than happy to turn the keys over to Kamala Harris. And they may be Bernie Sanders, her, her vice president. Uh, it happened. You know, Joe Ford was never elected. He was picked out of Congress by Richard Nixon when Spiro Agnew got in trouble. He ended up becoming president. From the Fox News Podcasts Network. I'm Ben Domenech, publisher of The Federalist, and I'm inviting you to join a new conversation with the smartest thinkers out there about the country and where we're going. Subscribe to the Ben Domenech Podcast. Subscribe and listen now by going to foxnewspodcasts.com. Information you want. Truth you demand. This is The Brian Kilmeade Show. The president should be very careful over the next 10 days uh, that his behavior is what you'd expect from the leader of the greatest country in the world. Now, my personal view is 
uh, that the president touched the hot stove on Wednesday and is unlikely to touch it again the day Senator Hawley announced uh, he'd be contesting those electoral votes, announced that I would not be, uh, when Senator Cruz said he had a plan to put in case, uh, put back in, in, in place a commission like the one formed in 1877, right. I said that wouldn't happen. I'm not, I wasn't interested then or now in spending a lot of time on things that can't happen. So just no like sanction. The impeachment, just like the impeachment of the president to remove him from office clearly is not going to happen between now uh, and the last day he's in office. So does Chris Christie believe that? Well, uh, welcome in the former governor of New Jersey, good friend of the president, at least till recently. Chris Christie, governor, welcome back. Hey, thank you for having me, Brian. Can you understand Senator Roy Blunt's sentiment? It's not going to happen. He's going he's to finish out his nine days. Why are we wasting our time? Do you feel the same way? Uh, listen, I've said all along that I don't think it will happen um, in terms of getting a removal from office in terms of the next nine days. It's just simply logistically impossible to do. The question I was asked yesterday was, is what the president did an impeachable offense? And I believe it is. That's much different than saying whether or not an impeachment can and a removal can be achieved in nine days, which clearly it can. But wasn't that speech, what about that speech do you think was impeachable? The result of it or the words itself? No, I I think it's the conduct over the entire eight-week period, um, Brian, um, where the president continued to promise the American people evidence of um, of, of a steal of the election. To my mind, he still hasn't come even close to producing that. Uh, he has, you know, presented altered videos. He's presented half-truths. And that entire episode leading to, finally, um, what he did on Wednesday. Um, also, by the way, promising those folks that he was going to march to the Capitol with them and then was nowhere to be found. Um, That was clearly, to me, an incitement. And it's beneath, Brian, the position that the president holds. Are you you surprised? Uh, You've you've talked to him since the results came in on November 3rd. Uh, I mean, I remember I did have a chance to talk to him offline about four days after. And he was 50-50. He really believes that that he won the election, number one. But number two is he kind of knew that it was over. And Mick Mulvaney indicated the same thing yesterday. Is that the guy I talked to and wrote a column about in the Wall Street Journal kind of knew it was over. What's happened over the last few weeks, maybe since Christmas, that had him doubling, tripling down? He has surrounded himself with only people who will tell him what, what he wants to hear. And all the people who have been telling him that it's time to concede gracefully, and to admit defeat in the election, and to steward over a um, you know a peaceful, cooperative transition had been moved out of his orbit. And listen, the president is someone who believes, and I know this from my years of friendship with him, that he can will something into the truth um, if he says it often enough, and pushes it hard enough, and believes it enough himself. And I think he's gotten himself over the last eight weeks into that position. But worse than getting himself in that position, he has gotten millions and millions of Americans to believe that, in fact, this election was stolen from him when there is no evidence that it was. And, I, yeah. and that's the worst offense, Brian. 
Well, I mean, I get it every day because I, you know, I've never done an election investigation. I've never been able to do an autopsy on a Dominion voting machine. I just don't have that skill and I don't have that access. So what I've seen so far, I have the audacity to conclude that there's no proof that voters were, votes were changed and that the president was unjustly beaten in Pennsylvania, Georgia, Arizona, or Michigan. And people are incensed that I said that. Will never listen to the show again. Will never follow me on Twitter again. Have you gotten some of that? Sure. And who incited that, Brian? Who created that narrative in this country? And who? Now, you said, and, and Mick Mulvaney said in his column, that the president had come to accept that he was losing on some level earlier on. I have to tell you, I've never seen that in my conversations with him post-election. And think about what he did to the vice president of the United States. He knew, and I know his lawyers were telling him, that the vice president had no legal or constitutional authority to do anything but open those envelopes and read them. That was it. Yet, at the, at the rally that day, he led those thousands of people to believe that with sufficient pressure on Mike Pence, he would do the right thing and even said, you know, I really like Mike Pence, but if he doesn't do what we want him to do, I'm going to like him a lot less. And, and acted, told those people that this was a question of courage on his part and said that day on the stage that you never take your government back through weakness, only through strength, and then told them to march to Capitol Hill. Now, you know, Brian, I said this yesterday. It gives me no joy in saying it because I have been amongst the most loyal supporters of this president from February of 2016. But if that's not an impeachable offense to incite people with falsehoods, to get them to go back through strength and take their government back and tell them to go to Capitol Hill, I just don't know what is. Yeah, but they, they did weave in the word peacefully there. Here's what Alan Dershowitz said, cut 18. It will not go to trial. <clears throat> all the Democrats can do is impeach the president in the House of Representatives. For that, all you need is a majority vote. You don't have to take evidence. There are no lawyers involved. But the case cannot come for trial in the Senate because the Senate has rules, and the rules would not allow the case to come to trial until, according to the, the majority leader, until 1 p.m. on January 20th, an hour after President Trump leaves office. But what they're going to try to do, according to Clyburn, is get it to pay, get a quick vote, which is, I think, terrible for the country on impeachment. And they're going to hold it for 100 days, let Joe Biden get his footing and then bring it up in the Senate. Well, that'll lose all types of political support um, across both parties, I suspect, um, if they do something like that. Listen, let's be clear about what I said yesterday and what I feel. The question is, is this an impeachable offense? I believe inciting group, a group of people to do what they did on Wednesday, which he had not been doing just on Wednesday, but in the weeks leading up to that, by telling them to take this thing back and to stop the steal when he had no tangible evidence to show there was any such thing across the number of states that it would have had to have happened in. Um, for, uh, you know, for there to be a change in the result of the election. Uh, is that an impeachable offense? I believe it is. 
Now, the, I've also said publicly that there's no practical way to get that done in the time period that's left. And that if it's seen as purely a political action um, by, uh, you know, by folks on the Democratic side of the aisle, that it will it will fall flat. And I think this is much too much too important a moment in our country's history for that to to occur. So, you know, Brian, I don't just we don't disagree with each other. I don't think um, I, I think what he did um, is so beneath the office of the presidency um, that, you know, it's impeachable. Well, uh, but yeah, but I, I, I there's nine days left in his term. I, I don't think the time is there to be able to um, to effectuate any type of appropriate impeachment proceeding and removal. But I, I, a couple of things. I don't have the legal I don't have the the burden of having this great legal background like you have. How you carry that around is a is a tremendous weight on your shoulders. I don't I don't get all caught up in that. I will say this. It sounded very similar to his speeches, except for there was a call to action that was go down the block. But most of his speeches are this got to stop. We got to do something. That's just the way he does. He talks at his rallies. But there's usually I leave and they leave. This time it was I'm I'm leaving and you go down the block. I don't think oh. that he wanted the people to get in the building and start chasing cops around and looking for, you know, and trying to tell them to ransack Nancy Pelosi's office. There, there's, I don't believe that either, but there, I don't believe he wanted the, 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 the violence and the death to occur. But, but there's something in the a concept of law called foreseeability, Brian, is what you're doing is the result that comes of it. Was that reasonably foreseeable? And, he, and by the way, he didn't say you go march down to the Capitol, said we. remember, he said, I'm going to march with you. I'm going with you. That's the executive branch of government, the leader of the executive branch of government, leading a large group of people to march on the legislative branch of government while they're in the midst of confirming an election that removes him from power. Okay. I now, hear you. Now, Brian, I, 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 I don't know what he thought was going to happen. But it seems to me, given how emotional those people were and how ginned up he got them over the last eight, nine weeks, that that's a completely foreseeable consequence of that conduct, especially when you promise right. to march with them and then you just go back into the safety of the White House. And just to finish this off, Jonathan Turley said this a short time ago on what he thought this speech. He says, I read the speech a couple of times. Listen. They are doing so on the basis of a speech that they are claiming was incitement. Various legal experts have said that this could be prosecuted as criminal incitement. That is, in my view, entirely untrue. Uh, There is no way that that speech could be used as the basis of a prosecution. He He feels differently. No, 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 no. We don't feel differently. I'm not talking about criminal incitement and sending the president to jail. Impeachment is a much different standard, Brian. Well, he didn't think it was impeachable. I'm just saying he didn't think it was impeachable either. Well, okay. Well, that, that's not what that cut, cut just right. said. He was talking about criminal incitement. Right. But but nonetheless, I don't think this is a basis for prosecution of the president criminally. Um, whether the president would face civil liability and all the rest calls into question the issue of sovereign immunity and everything else. These are complicated legal questions that other people are going to grapple with when he leaves office. But let's get down to the bottom line. There's two different things at play here. Is it an impeachable offense? I believe it is. Is it practical to impeach and remove him from office with nine days left? I believe it is not. 
Yeah, and, and Leslie, I just want to clarify this. When I talk to the president uh, offline and then in person, I think to every fiber in his being, uh, being, he cannot believe that Joe Biden got 81 million votes. And he does not believe that this guy who couldn't attract 12 cars to a drive-in uh, and he could attract a guy at midnight in 20 degrees in Wisconsin could possibly beat him and did beat him. But I thought when I was talking to him, he was getting into the understanding that that was the verdict that he's going to have to live with. But I just want to get into your expertise on this. Do you believe social media was right to permanently ban him from his 88 million Twitter followers, 35 million Facebook followers, and his growing audience on Parler? To me, I find that to be the scariest thing that's happened in recent memory. Well, I absolutely do not agree um, with what they did, and I think it is incredibly dangerous for everybody in America. I mean, let's say this, Brian. The Ayatollah Khomeini has a page on Twitter. The Ayatollah of Iran has a page on Twitter. You know, Putin has social media accounts. Um, So, uh, to me— Right. I mean, we could go through a whole list. I mean, to me, you know, the, the Ayatollah of Iran is, is the most evil leader um, of, a, of a government in the world. And you have him having a Twitter account where, by the way, this week he was mocking our country on his Twitter account um, and mocking what happened on Wednesday at the Capitol and what kind of democracy do we have. Um, the Ayatollah has an account and he's not been banned, but, but Donald Trump has. I think it's outrageous. I think it proves once and for all that these companies do not deserve the Section 230 liability protection that they have. If they're going to start to make editorial decisions on those pages, then they do not, they are not entitled to Section 230 protection. It should be subject to all of the libel uh, and slander laws that are on the books in this country. And I think that what the folks at Twitter and Facebook and the other social media companies have done – um, is obviously, obviously politically biased um, and should be a danger to everybody in this country because when they can start to silence speech, and, and let's face it, these are now some of the biggest avenues we have, certainly bigger than newspapers, to be able to communicate to the people of this country and with the people of this country. When they get to decide who gets to be on and who doesn't uh, based upon what they have in front of them now, this is outrageous. Think about this show. Think about Fox News. When uh, streaming becomes so prevalent, when you get us on the phone as well as you do on your, on, with your antenna, they're going to say, you know what? I find that uh, you know, when Brian interviews Chris Christie, they get people really incensed. I think it's time to shelve them. You know, Fox News, I, I don't really, you know, it's bad enough advertisers, but I, I don't really don't want them being carried on Apple. I don't want that to be an app on our app store. And what I find really disturbing is that these companies who are supposed to be in competition combine to shut down the president. Stripe, TikTok, Twitch, Twitter, YouTube, all have taken him down. And then you have other groups and corporations that are leaving the Trump name. President Trump's business is in trouble, too. Final thought? Listen, Brian, I, I would say that We need to make sure that Congress uh, takes up this problem with social media, and we need to continue to talk about it because uh, this action they took against the president is not just an action against the president. It's an action against everyone in this country who wants to protect the First Amendment and free speech, and everyone should be outraged by this. It's separate from whatever the president's you know, your problems with the president politically or personally are. This is a much, much bigger issue than that. And you could be next. 
and that's what people better get awake to very, very quickly. Well, I'm going to retain you as an attorney. I'm not going to be able to afford you. I'm going to need um, to borrow money, uh, but I will, I will have you represent. Brian. I will work for Brian Kilmeade pro bono at any time because of the service you provide to the public every day on the airwaves. Hey, are you taping this, Allison? You can keep this good. It's because <laughs> he, might, he might turn around and change his mind. Uh, Governor, <laughs> thanks so much. Brian, thanks for having me as always. It's great to talk to you. All right, go get him. Back with your calls in a moment. Newsmakers and newsbreakers, hear it first, only on The Brian Kilmeade Show. Fox Nation presents podcasts, Women of the Bible Speak. I'm Shannon Bream, host of Fox News at Night and author of the new book, Women of the Bible Speak, the wisdom of 16 women and their lessons for today. Subscribe now on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, foxnewspodcast.com, or wherever you download your podcasts. From his mouth to your ears, it's Brian Kilmeade. Welcome back, everyone. Let's try to squeeze in a couple of calls. Steve, you're in North Carolina. Steve. Hello. Steve, you're in, what's on your mind? Well, um, I'm 62 years old. Yeah. Uh, back in the 70s and 80s, uh, Ma Bell had a pretty good uh, monopoly on uh, the phone system. At the time, the only communication we had pretty much in the country and uh, the Internet, Facebook, Twitter, it's, you know, it's the new form of communication. Uh, uh, why can't something come in and bust that up the way they did Mobile? Just keep in mind, these companies are separate. You know, Google is separate from Amazon, separate from Facebook, separate from Twitter, separate from uh, YouTube. You know, uh, of course, I think Facebook bought YouTube, but these are separate they colluded, they compete, and then they collude to wipe out competition. They collude to wipe out now people. So the analogy is the same in some in some respects, but it's very different now. It's real scary. Everyone should be alarmed. Nothing to do with President Trump. Don't get caught up in who got banned. Fact is, someone got banned. From the Fox News Podcasts Network, download and listen to The Untold Story with Martha McCallum. The host of The Story on Fox News Channel sits down with major newsmakers each week to get their untold story. Subscribe and listen now by going to foxnewspodcasts.com. Live from the Fox News Radio Studios in New York City, fresh off the set of Fox and Friends, it's America's receptive voice. Brian Kilmeade. Thanks so much for listening. Brian Kilmeade Show coming your way, coming from New York, heard around the country, heard around the world. Uh, we have a big hour coming your way. So much breaking uh, in and around. The President of the United States is finally going to emerge. He's going to talk about some of his accomplishments all week long. Uh, this hour, he's going to be giving Jim Jordan the Medal of Freedom. Uh, later on this week, Thursday, Bill Belichick will get it. Uh, with all this stuff going on, it's hard to imagine this stuff still happening, but it is. Pressure on the president to be uh, to leave, and the vice president and he are not speaking. Extraordinary times. Even for the Trump years, this is extraordinary. Now you have everyone, uh, some Republicans jumping ship. But the fact that they're even thinking about impeachment now and this country needs to come together, especially after Wednesday, it just shows there's just no maturity in Washington. They're so caught up in their intramural battles. They do not care about us. I'm going to just tell you something. 
There are more people in business who work for a business, own a business, that are flat on their backs, will never recover from the real estate uh, that they own or rent and the leases they're caught up in. They're forced to walk away. They can't make their mortgage payments in all these states. They're talking about $2,000 payments instead of finding a way to stand up these states and do what Florida's doing, living with the virus while vaccinating people from the virus. And that they're talking about impeachment. Let's rush it through impeachment for who? Let's get to the big three. Now with the stories you need to know, it's Brian's Big Three. Number three. We can't be making comments on Friday and saying that this is what's going to be occurring on Mondays. They need to open up these new sites. They need to lessen up the restrictions on who can administer the vaccines and who can receive the vaccines. And this needs to be happening on a minute-to-minute, second-to-second basis as they are seeing what is going on. And that's Dr. Sapphire who works here in New York. And they have changed things uh, in New York because the mayor actually made sense for once, trying to convince the governor to think ahead and open up alternative sites except for hospitals and open it up to all seniors, not just emergency workers. Number two. Do you think this is the end of parlor? I think losing your app store uh, privileges and losing your web host is about as close to a kiss of death as you can get in the world of apps. Kevin Ruse, a expert on CBS, talking about the tech takedown of Trump. While all should be shaken, not just Trump supporters and Donald Trump himself, from Google to Apple to Facebook to Amazon to Twitter and more, they combined to shut down the president of the United States. One refuge parlor taken down the same day. Is this China or excuse me, Russia or is it North Korea? Number one. Well, I like the 25th Amendment because it gets rid of him. He's out of office. Uh, But there is strong support in the Congress Uh, for impeaching the president a second time. This president is guilty of inciting insurrection. Uh, He has to pay a price for that. Yeah. Fallout and overreach all at once. The ramifications for President Trump and his legacy after last Wednesday's riots is unquantifiable. But as usual, Nancy Pelosi's overreach shows her instincts could not be worse. Solid selfishness. Punished for impeachment with nine days to go in a term? The case, the schedule, and the chances. There's a reason why this hasn't happened in over 200 years. It's because it shouldn't happen, and there was no cause to make it happen. The insurrection, the, pre- the insurrection I think that's absolutely termed, but I don't think the president caused it. The president had a speech that said, go downtown. There's no way he wanted those bike racks trampled and those cops hurt. Five are dead, including a police officer. Anybody who knows the president would never want to put any police officers in jeopardy, let alone the one in the Capitol building a few miles away that will jeopardize his legacy. No doubt about it. The president's legacy is going to pay a price for this. This will be the lasting image. However, in a time in which it was, uh, it's obvious to anyone you have to come together in Washington to bring people together around the country, they choose to do this. Cut to. Sadly, the person who's running the executive branch is a deranged, unhinged, dangerous president of the United States. And only a number of days until uh, we can be protected from him. Uh, but he has done something so serious uh, that there should be prosecution against him. Okay. Now think about well, this. Uh, I gather that the 25th Amendment is off the table. That isn't. Nothing is off the table. Of course it's off the table. Like impeachment's off the table. You're not going to even go through a trial. You're not going to uh, debate articles. You have Jamie Raskin draw it up. They're going to just okay it and vote on it uh, probably Wednesday and pass it. 
Andrew Johnson, Bill Clinton, Richard Nixon, uh, Donald Trump before. Nobody had to deal with this. Now, look, the irresponsibility to do this on Electoral College, to call out the vice president, I will never approve that. I would never tell everyone to come to Washington and come to a rally. If the president was able to prove his thing through the courts and was unable to delay as the courts deliberated, maybe I get having a rally, but just don't put this whole country is on tender hooks. Why would you add to that? That was unwise. I hope the president admits that. And then when you see they come into the Capitol and some of these men and women were air, were, were military uh, uh, veterans, you know, coming with zip ties and trying to go looking for Nancy Pelosi and saying, hang up Mike Pence. Nobody, nobody condones that and says, well, I'll get over it. I don't think that. I think this is serious. I think everybody that caught on film, whether you're sitting in Nancy Pelosi's office or you're defiling government property, that, that, uh, that, that beautiful building, I hope you're all prosecuted. I hope people know there's going to be hell to pay. But there were pipe bombs put in front of the DNC and RNC. There was communication between them. People showed up with ropes. I've been to a lot of Trump rallies. No one shows up with anything except a red cap. Now, they are Trump supporters, it seems. But these aren't normal people. Don't tell me you want to save the country while going after Democrats and Republicans, harassing Lindsey Graham and threatening him in an airport. Now, Axios is reporting that advisors are urging Joe Biden to steer clear of the impeachment debate and keep above the fray. After speaking about the violence twice last week, he had paused for the weekend. His only major public event for this week is Thursday, talking about a COVID update. And then he's got the 19th as inaugural, where I understand, I talked this morning to a high-ranking official, there's extreme worry about the inauguration and security. So Joe Manchin weighed in yesterday. He's the man of the hour, the moderate that's going to stop the filibuster from being destroyed in the Senate. He's supposed to stop two states from being added. He was smart enough to say enough of the $2,000 payments. Can we focus on unlocking down, getting rid of the lockdown in all these cities? Cut nine. There's no doubt about it. He should be impeached, basically. And, and, but if we can't do it, you've got to be practical about what we're doing now, Jake. You've got two paths to go. We're about ready to install a new government. If I was Joe Biden, I'd want to be able to put my government together to start putting confidence back in the American people that we can govern ourselves and be the beacon of light for the whole country and the whole world. That's what we need to do. Uh, So with an impeachment going on as he's coming in, I understand uh, we wouldn't get the articles if the House does it this week coming. We wouldn't get them until the 19th. So on Election Day would be the day we could officially start. That doesn't make any common sense whatsoever. Yeah. Uh, and what you're doing is, OK, the Trump people are down there, downtrodden. He hasn't proven anything. And the president had this speech and so many people got hurt and these great people got injured and some died, got too far. But then when you turn around and impeach him and say he doesn't matter and then you take down his social media megaphone and say you, you don't exist, you understand 74 million people are not going to disappear. They're going to go underground and they're going to communicate and they're, gonna, they're going to plot and plan because they want to win the next election. And I hope that's it. I hope there's no violence involved. But you're also seeing that going after the governor of Michigan with that horrible plot, you see them spray painting Mitch McConnell's uh, garage and defiling Nancy Pelosi's property and harassing Governor uh, Wheeler, excuse me, Mayor Wheeler of Portland, and then harassing uh, Senator Lindsey Graham as he went to the airport. Lindsey Graham has been a staunch supporter of the president but could not support him came to go down to the 
uh, go down there and get into the Capitol building, but did speak to the president all weekend. Here's Jonathan Swan. So for anybody who thinks that you're going to keep President Trump down because he had a speech maybe he shouldn't have given and he has been unable to prove election fraud, forget it. Cut 22. He certainly lost quite a few elected Republicans, but... Uh, I don't I haven't seen any evidence yet that he's lost a huge proportion of the Republican base who you have to remember was and we know this both from um, data like hard quantitative data, but also from focus groups and from anecdote and from activists in the field that he had an incredible bond with the Republican base and a very intense bond uh, that I've seen firsthand at many Trump rallies and various other things, I'm not convinced that goes away at all. So I think people should be very wary of dismissing Trump as somebody who has uh, serious power, his own type of power outside of Washington going far beyond January 20th. That's why he's great. He'll sit down with the president, but he's not. A, he doesn't hate the president. You know, he sees some things that he doesn't agree with, but he wants to get the answers out. He's not there to be famous. So Jonathan Swan is so effective. He also went on to report about how the president's reacting to having his Twitter handle. 80 million people cut off from what he says. Cut 45. Well, I've had a, a number of conversations with President Trump over the last few years um, about Twitter and Facebook. And he said to me on several occasions that uh, it's his most powerful weapon, it's his most powerful tool, and he believes that. Um, he may not be wrong, by the way. I mean, he it's the way that he communicates directly with the American people. He goes around the mainstream media. Um, he can speak to—I think his combined audience is— at least 150 million, maybe more than that. His Twitter audience was something like 88 million, and it's an incredibly intense following. There's people who are just addicted to his Twitter feed. So he will see this as a huge uh, blow to him. And then now the fact he can't even pivot everyone to Parler, the fastest-growing app in the country, because it was combined to take down by Google, by Amazon, and every other platform, and... As of midnight last night, they're not there. They say there's too much unregulated speech on there. Really? Who are they? Other other tech firms deciding that this tech company, this social media company, isn't good enough. So your competitor, Twitter and Google and Amazon, they're judging you. Right. It's like uh, the Browns deciding to call the Pittsburgh Steelers plays uh, and then tell me they're not colluding. Of course they're colluding. Brett Baer coming up in about 10 minutes. I'll take your calls when we get back. one 408 I'll give you the latest on Parler when we return. Let you hear uh, what people are saying about this takedown of Trump and what he plans to do from here. He's got nine days where he can hop in that press room and every most people will cover it. He's got to take advantage of it. And I think he's got to find a way quickly, as in today, to get together with the vice president. Because Mike Pence is as classy and good and as loyal as anybody he will ever meet in his life. Back in a moment. It's Brian Kilmeade. It's the Hammer Time Podcast. Fox News Channel's Bill Hammer takes you one-on-one with engaging personalities covering the critical issues of the day. Find Hammer Time now by going to foxnewspodcasts.com. America's listening to Fox News. A talk show that's real. This is the Brian Kilmeade Show. The left has decided this is an opportunity to destroy the right. So if you ever voted for Donald Trump, if you ever supported anything he did, 
um, you are just as guilty as the people who went into that capital. And it, this is also an opportunity for them to now go and put pressure on social media companies to literally not just erase the president, erase everybody. We're now living in a country where four or five companies, unelected, unaccountable, have the power, a monopoly power to decide we're going to wipe people out. We're going to just erase them from, from any sort of digital platform, whether it's selling things and the like. Even if you don't like Donald Trump, that should be concerning that they have that power. Yeah, it should be, but it's not. Democrats are going to say, yeah, I'm probably going to leave you guys in place since all you're doing is suppressing right-wing speech. Uh, quick thing, when it comes to, if you're in New York in this area and you're looking for a vaccine, good news. As of today, they have named two major sites, places you can get vaccinated. Uh, the Bathgate Industrial Park over in Marciana in the Bronx. And you could also go to Brooklyn's Army Terminal in Sunset Park. Uh, they started giving shots actually Sunday at 1 p.m. because he was making everybody go to the hospitals. It wasn't working. Soon, I hope CVS, Walgreens will all be able to go across the country. Sarah listening in Knoxville, Tennessee. Sarah, how are you? Hi. Good morning, Mr. Kelman. I'd like to make a couple of points and then ask you a question, if I may. Um, Donald Trump did some great things during his presidency, but in the end, he could not overcome his feelings of superiority and embarrassment. We remember his rallies. He kept saying, we can't let Sleepy Joe beat me. Well, he really believed that. And if I may say, he's a BS or sort. We all know that. And he knew if he threw enough BS out there, his supporters would believe him. He also, uh, with with Mike Pence, he he was, uh, Mike Pence was his great friend. Supposedly they'd become very good friends and supporter. But apparently Trump sent the message, I like me better than I like you. And you're subservient to me. But if you're not subservient to me, you're not my friend, and I won't be your friend. So he decided to betray his own vice president, who had been very loyal to him, and as well, um, uh, who's the attorney um, that represented Richard Jewell. He said Mike Pence should be shot for uh, Linwood. Well, that's just, Yes, Lynn Wood, sir. Uh, Donald Trump should immediately came out the White House and press correspondence and said, I denounce that. That is violence. Absolutely. And may I also tell you, when Trump said he was going to walk down there with his supporters, he had, no, in my opinion, he's slick and he's sly. He had no intention. He was covering his butt. And, and I'm, I'm, well, I was then then was covered, But if he went there, I bet you he could have stopped them. He could say, guys, do not go any further if he went there. Uh, Sarah, you have some good points. Sally, FM News Talk 97.1 in St. Louis. Sally. Okay, I hope you let me talk as long as she did. I also have two points. Trump said repeatedly, we got to keep it peaceful, folks, not just mostly peaceful. we got to keep it peaceful. The next thing is that he just wanted Pence to authorize an audit of to send it back to the states the reason none of the evidence was ever allowed to be and That's not true. At. In some cases they were, in some cases they weren't. And a lot of it was latches because you should have said it before the election, not after. That's just not true. Uh, so, yeah, some cases they're disappointing to legal experts, but other stuff, they didn't show up. This is what they did. Rudy did not show up with the evidence. He promised one thing to us, and then he went in court and did something else. And whoever else is Linwood out there giving speeches, getting people fired up, saying don't vote, destroyed the Georgia election. It, totally irresponsible. If you're going to – you could back somebody like you back President Trump, but you have to see the mistakes he made. And you have to see the legal team that he's left with or assembled or chose has not helped him. Eric, listen, WDBO in Orlando. Eric. 
Hey, Brian, great topic. Uh, there's a lot of history here. Um, my mother-in-law is 89 years old. She was born in Breslau, Germany, and uh, that's where they had the practice for this for the Olympics with uh, Jesse Owens, the famous Olympics. And this is exactly what was going on in Germany. These people that call themselves Antifa, they don't realize that they are practicing fascism. This Twitter and Facebook, I mean, they're they're following along AOC retribution. Like your previous caller said, and you said, they're going to go and get us now. Uh, a third of this country voted, and half of them didn't vote for Biden. That means five-sixths of this country did not vote for Biden. There's a saying that the people that just want to be left alone are going to wake up. I don't think they realize the business that they're they're attacking here. They're they're not after Trump. They're after you and me. And Trump's just in the way. Well, he's not going to be soon. And uh, until we get rid of Dominion, I don't think anything's ever going to change. I don't know. I have not. Uh, I am not going to indict Dominion. Not because they'll sue you, because I don't know anything negative going into this election. Texas chose not to have it. Other Republican legislatures did. Other Republican governors did. It wasn't because they wanted Donald Trump to lose. I would like to look into it, but Dominion is not standing in the way of a democracy. From the Fox News Podcasts Network, download and listen to The One with Craig Gutfeld, the co-host of The Five, like you've never heard him before. You know him, you love him, you want to be like him. Subscribe and listen now by going to foxnewspodcasts.com. A radio show like no other. It's Brian Kilmeade. Do you have any concerns that Congress will be distracted uh, if this trial goes forward instead of focusing on the cabinet and coronavirus? Yes, I do have concerns. So does uh, Speaker Pelosi. Uh, Mitch McConnell is a pretty good legislator, and he's doing what he thinks he needs to do to be disruptive of uh, President Biden. Let's give uh, President-elect Biden uh, the 100 days he needs to get his agenda off uh, and running, and maybe we'll send uh, the articles uh, sometimes after that. Sounds great. Another typical day. Impeach him in a week. How about two days? And then uh, we'll give the articles to the Senate. They'll hold it for 100 days. And with him out of office in Mar-a-Lago, then we'll impeach him. Sounds like a typical day in Washington. Brett Baer, chief political anchor for Fox News, anchor special report at 6. Uh, and he's got a big event coming up, which I'm lucky enough to participate in, the All-Star Panel event benefiting Children's National Hospital. You could uh, find out more by going to allstarpanelevent at gmail.com. Uh, so this way we could do a virtual event. So, Brett, we'll talk about more of that in a second. But what do you think about that? Could they impeach him in the House, hold it for two months after he's left office, and then impeach him? So this reminds me, Brian, of the first time around where you had to race to impeach him because he was a threat to the country. He was a danger. Uh, you have to make sure that the chairman of the Joint Chiefs is is okay, that he has the nuclear codes, and that Nancy Pelosi is talking to leaders to make sure that he's not going to go off the deep end. And you're going to race within two days to impeach the president. But then you're going to hold off in the Senate because you want to get the cabinet members 
um, appointed and you want to get the agenda off the, the gates and then you finish the trial after um, President Biden is inaugurated. It's it's really kind of surreal, you know, in this environment. I get the people who say they had a major problem with what happened Wednesday, and we all should. And and you can put a direct tie to what, you know, the incitement, you can make that case. Uh, but to make the case and then say, you know, we don't need to do it right away is kind of silly. It's silly, and he's out of office. How do you throw out a guy that's quit, that's done, that well, retired? You don't. You don't. You essentially prevent him from running again, which is really what this is all about. But they're not going to – you think they're going to get 67 votes? No, I don't. But I, I think that they're, they're going to – they're going to try to uh, gin up this, this you know, case that he shouldn't run again. Now, by doing that, all I think you might be doing is firing up Trump supporters who – you know, think he's going to get a a bad shake here, or um, you know, the social media crackdown. All of this, um, I, I think, there's clearly something short of that uh, that Congress could do. Um, but it's a little disingenuous to to do a trial after he's already left office. Uh, it's crazy. So today, they're, they're offering the articles of impeachment today. Jamie Raskin. Yeah. Well, first they're doing the Twenty Fifth Amendment appeal to the vice president uh, for him to and a majority of the cabinet to to invoke the 25th amendment and that's just not um, not in the cards from everything i've i've heard uh, and then after that they they launched the uh, the impeachment the articles of impeachment so a couple of things on those people that that raided the Capitol, and it is a scary situation. Pipe bombs found at the DNC RNC. Many people thought they were placed there. They didn't go off, thankfully, to push cops away from the Capitol building. Well, they didn't have enough to begin with. They also were able to uh, they were able to stop the founder of Proud Boys, and when they stopped him, he had a gun with him with a magazine. So he didn't even yeah. get there. They found another man with zip ties. It turns out. That person was a veteran. Dozens have now been charged. This guy, Richard Barnett of Arkansas, was photographed in the Speaker's office, so they got him. He turned himself in. Lonnie Kaufman of Alabama, whose vehicle contained 11 Molotov cocktails and a handgun and assault rifle. He was carrying two guns, uh, so he was arrested. Jacob Anthony Cheney, also known as Jake Angeli of Arizona, who confronted law enforcement carrying a spear, was arrested. Ashley Babbitt was fatally shot by a police officer as you saw her try to hop over. She seems to be a, ma- a member of QAnon and a big Trump fan. So what do we assess from what's going on here, Brett? We kind of missed this. The violent aspect that has not taken place at the Trump rallies, evidently he's got some supporters who are pretty angry and armed. Right. And for all the talk online and elsewhere about Antifa, all these arrests— have not centered around that group at all. They've centered more around QAnon, um, which, by the way, in its mythology, has um, this thing called the storm or the Great Awakening that online is is January 20th, 2021. So there is a lot of concern about protecting the inauguration. There are going to be some 10,000 troops uh, in Washington, D.C. on inauguration, I'm told. And how that security profile looks, I think it's going to look tremendously different than it ever has before. 
uh, in part because of these threats that are online. I mean, we have not seen this left group that was supposed to be disguised as Trump supporters. These are QAnon hardcore people who believe that Trump not only won the election, but it needs to take over the government. And that's what they're saying online. So the Capitol Hill police chief said he asked for National Guard help six times and said, and now he, he quit, by the way, and says the House Sergeant of Arms was not comfortable with the show of force. And then we also have the FBI and New York City Police Department passed information to U.S. Capitol Police about the possibility of violence during the protest Wednesday uh, while they were counting the Electoral College votes. So this was out there in a way in which I had not heard, but are you in Washington? Did do you hear that the security could be an issue and the Capitol uh, was going to be targeted? No, I mean, not directly. But, I mean, one would assume that a major event like that, Capitol Police has handled They've handled many events, like all kinds of different events, and uh, that they would be prepared. Uh, this, I've been told that, that exactly that, that they did not request or want any National Guard presence. Um, they didn't want the, the visual of the National Guard in uniform up on the Capitol, and that was a decision made. Uh, they have 2,300 officers in the Capitol Police. Um, they, I think that there's a real question about what happened there. Some of them stepped aside, but understand that there was a flow of hundreds of people coming through a door. Um, it's a really it's we're going to have several hearings on this. I'm going to have the Army Secretary Ryan McCarthy on special report tomorrow, uh, and he has a really interesting inside view on the day, the minute to minute on that Wednesday. Uh, but more importantly, he's in charge of the National Guard and Dis- District of Columbia, uh, along with the mayor, um, for the inauguration, and really the 16th through the 21st. And you also have Joe Manchin tonight, right? I do. Senator Joe Manchin, who obviously is at the center of a lot of what's going to go forward. Um, interesting over the weekend that he kind of intimated that he's going to think about D.C. and Puerto Rico as states. Well, in order to do that, you have to get rid of the filibuster on those two issues. Once you open that door, um, there's a lot that can go through it. Yeah, then he, if he, to, in order to pass that, he'd have to get rid of that, or else you need the 60 votes, right? Exactly. So, in order to pass either one of those, no, they're not, not going to get 60 votes to do either one of those things. Um, and my point is, is that even as he's dis- thinking about it, if he's thinking about it, that means he's then considering. Uh, getting rid of the filibuster. I'm going to try to pin him down on all of that today. Uh, It's the difference between a really progressive Biden administration and one that needs to negotiate and uh, come to the middle ground. Yeah. um, So we had a lot of intelligence pick up there. The other big thing is the tech crackdown. The president of the United States has been locked out from his 88 million Twitter followers, his 35 million Facebook followers. And then he was switching over to Parler, where he was getting a huge presence, and they shut Parler down. And then when you see they did the same thing to Michael Flynn, by the way, not nearly as important. But the platforms that joined in to do this are Apple, Facebook, Google, Instagram, Pinterest, Reddit, Shopify, Snapchat, and Spotify, Uh, TikTok, Stripe, Twitch, Twitter, and YouTube. They all of a sudden say the president cannot be online. I am beyond concerned about this. I think everybody should be. Are you? Well, yes, in a broad sense. But – You know, I mean, it is not a constitutional right to be on this company. I get all of that. 
but it is the president of the United States. They are saying definitively that he was who incited this mob to do what they did. And in the interest of their company, they are saying he can't be on it. I mean, it is a company and they can do it. So that brings all kinds of questions about Section 230 and all the things the president was talking about, as well as some on Capitol Hill, about whether they should be utilities uh, or they should be you know, subject to libel um, if they're not going if they're going to make decisions about editorial like this. So, Brett, the problem is it is a company that will still allow incendiary language from other world leaders, including China uh, and including Bashir Assad and Grand Ayatollah Khomeini. You've heard the arguments. Yeah, you're still a private company, but just tell me, what are you talking about? This president's too dangerous because he used the word, they cited the word patriot in one of his tweets. And the fact when he announced that he wasn't going to be at the inauguration, that was a go sign, according to Twitter, to ban him because that means it's okay to attack. I won't be there. I mean, that's a huge leap. The explanation was a huge leap. And, you know, when they laid it out like that, it even stands out more. Um, but it is their decision, and and I think you know maybe there's court cases, maybe there's, but I just don't think you go very far. You know, somebody on Twitter said, uh, "Think of them as the bakery denying the gay wedding cake." Um, you know, it's that bakery's decision. <laughs> you know, it's a it's a company, and those went to the Supreme Court and. I think that there is there's a lot of discussion about right. what's right and what's wrong. But if somebody wants to start another um, social media company where the president could be the first one, um, no one is preventing them. Really? It's simply a matter of. Well, I, I think they, you if, if you look at what happened with Parler, they started their own company. All of a sudden, Parler's language doesn't work. Uh, because and they, the, they have to, because they, Amazon backed out of it, right? Yeah. So if Amazon is agreeing with Twitter and Facebook and uh, YouTube and everybody else and Google, does that concern you at all? These companies who are supposed to be competing. But it's not, uh, Brian, it's not the government that has shut them down. It's the individual companies. And if they don't have the financial backing to do it, they, they shut down. Right. And so those companies, including the ones that invested in um, Parler, decided that was not going to work for them. And as a, you know, uh, a, a capitalist who is, you know, you would argue that the companies make that decision. I get it, though. There's concern about the president of the United States not having a, a vehicle. But he does have a vehicle. He could go out to the North Lawn and talk to the press. But he'd have to answer some questions. He hasn't done that in a long time. June 21st, what does he do? You mean January 21st? January 21st, what does he do? I think he moves on. But And how does he communicate? I think he um, – hold on one second. I think he's – I think he, you know, holds some kind of event and and makes a statement. The press is going to cover everything. He's the president of the United States. He just hasn't been willing to go to the press room. He's got it right there in the house. Well, I mean, that's uh, that's true. Uh, since the election, he has been uh, – I think I did the only face-to-face interview with him. Here's what Devin Nunes said. Cut 40. Republicans have no way to communicate. If, it doesn't even matter if you're a Republican or conservative. If you don't want to be regulated by left-wingers, 
that are at Twitter and Facebook and Instagram where you get shadow banned, nobody gets to see you, nobody gets to see you. They get to decide what's violent or not violent. It's preposterous. So I don't know where the hell the Department of Justice is at right now or the FBI. Uh, this is clearly a violation of antitrust, civil rights, the RICO statute. There should be a racketeering investigation on all the people that coordinated this attack on not only a company, but on all of, of those like us. So do you understand his frustration? There doesn't seem to be anyone overseeing these organizations who suddenly felt as though compelled to collude uh, to shut out the president, I guess, Michael Flynn. When you have examples of incendiary language over and over again on Twitter and then they take down their number one selling app because suddenly they violated free, I guess, their speech standards. I think this is extremely dangerous. People think this is about Trump. It's really bigger than that. It is. And it's, you know, we've been talking about it for a long time. What's, you know, possible, what's coming, what's, you know, the language, um, crackdowns. Uh, it's just that without legislation, without Congress stepping in and regulating these companies differently, they are operating under the rules they're operating under. And currently, they are allowed to prevent someone based on their company. If there's not a, you know, a free speech issue here, it's it, when you sign on to Twitter, you sign on to their rules. And um, I think that there's a bigger question here that obviously is going to be a part of the next um, Congress. And, yeah. and you know, and and it's interesting that all of these actions are coming as Democrats take control of all of the key committees on oversight of all of these tech companies. Go to all-star panel event at gmail.com to get tickets. Or allstarpanelevent.com. You can go to the website, and you can do it right on the website, allstarpanelevent.com. If you want really detailed one-on-one -on -one service, allstarpanelevent at gmail.com. Send an email, and we'll take care of it. But it's going to be awesome. It's going to be a panel, some performances, an auction you can't get anyplace else, raising money for Children's National, which helps uh, thousands and thousands of sick kids every year. All right. Go get them, Brett. Good luck tonight. All right. We'll see you guys. All right. Back in a moment. You're with Brian Kilmeade. The more you listen, the more you'll know. It's Brian Kilmeade. More to know. Sponsored by Oxford Gold Group. Call today to learn how you can protect your retirement and savings account. 833-600-GOLD. That's 833-600-GOLD. To be honest, we uh, we laugh about it because I don't think we ever thought it would, it would blow up uh, to this. So thank you all. It's been a lot of fun. And... You know, the, the, the journey that, that Maureen and I have had together has been really special. Uh, that is Maureen and Dave uh, Magherty, father-daughter basketball coaches. Uh, they were coaching. That was uh, Holy Cross women's basketball team sweeping Army. Uh, Coach Maureen Magherty uh, to take the first two games of their matchup. So that's the second game of the historic weekend series. Uh, so that's pretty cool, isn't it? It's the first time a father and daughter have ever coached against each other. The Crusaders took the game 61-42, moving to 2-2 two and two on the season. With the win, Holy Cross coach Maureen Margardi uh, earned the second victory over her dad. So that's pretty cool. Next, Pope Francis' doctor personally uh, reportedly dies from COVID-19 uh, complications. He was 78, Fabrizio Scororzi. That hits home, right? 
Yeah, very sad to hear. And hopefully he didn't see the Pope recently. Right. That's that's a great point. Pope not as old as most Popes, but uh, he's an old Pope. He's uh, an old Pope, Right. Yes. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> Jason in the House, the Jason Chaffetz Podcast. Dive deeper than the headlines and the party lines as I take on American life, politics, and entertainment. Subscribe now on foxnewspodcast.com or wherever you download podcasts. Listen to the show ad-free on Fox News Podcast Plus, on Apple Podcasts, Amazon Music with your Prime membership, or subscribe wherever you get your podcasts.